Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Put on the new man, which after God is created excuse me, in righteousness and true holiness. Is that not so? All right. So the Bible is telling us here about the new man. Can we all quote that verse together? Ready, go. Amen. Can, can you at the back there, can you hear me? The very back. If you cannot hear, come nearer, please. The children are disturbing. Those at the very back, if you can't hear, please come near. There's no point in coming to church and uh, you can't hear what's going on. Amen. Amen. Right. Let's move to Ephesians chapter 5. And um, Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we want to read from verse 1. Shall we read from verse 1, please, all of us? Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ. For a sweet smelling savor. But fornication, meanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Amen. Okay? Now, um, we have gone on to say that as new men, fornication should not be mentioned at least not more than four times in a Christian's life or in a church's life. Doctor, how many times? Not even once. Amen. That is the ideal, but the realities are not like that. In the church, we have fornication is rather a common thing. Captain, what can we do about it? We should pray. We should continue to pray. Amen. So, the Bible is telling us what to do to prevent, I mean, it's telling us that fornication should not be found in the church. And we have spent a lot of time sharing with you 15 reasons why you shouldn't commit fornication. We've gone on to share with you six physical steps to take to prevent fornication and then four spiritual steps to prevent fornication. And then we moved on to uh, another subject which leads to fornication. It's a background which, you know, encourages fornication, which is what? Duality. Amen. Duality. Then somebody say duality. Or another word for that is Samsonism. Amen. Samson was the perfect example of duality. He, uh, duality is the art of having two lives. It's the art of having two personalities. It's the art of living two different lives in the same human being. One person who is on one hand like this and on the other hand like that. And you are amazed that this person can be 
in one human being, but it is. And it, duality is something that any of us can easily slide into without realizing it. And it's a very dangerous thing. And that is why uh, Samson eventually ended up the way he did, because he was a double personality. He had two lives. And so his ending and beginning were also two different things. He started well and he ended very badly. Amen. So we gave you some examples of duality or some, yeah, some examples. What was the first one? Being separated and at the same time unequally yoked. Do you remember that? Please, I want your attention. You can be separated and at the same time you are unequally yoked. That is what Samson was doing. He was anointed. That means to be uh, anointed by the Lord. He was consecrated. He didn't cut his hair. You know? And, and just like we are members of a church and so on, we, we belong to a good church. We are belong to a charismatic church. We don't go to, you know, any other church. We claim to be born again. We claim to speak in tongues and so on. This is just how Samson was. He had long hair. Long hair means you're a member of Lighthouse. He was even a member of a ministry. That is all the long hair meant. And at the same time, he was doubling with unbelievers and playing around at the same time in the world. And that is what some Christians do in the church. They are here and then they are there. When you see a Christian who is amongst unbelievers and the person fits in so perfectly with the unbeliever crowd, there is something very wrong with that Christian. That Christian is Samson who has re resurrected. Amen. What is the second example of duality? Spiritual and yet carnal. Write it down. Spiritual and yet carnal. If you didn't write it down, we gave you the scriptures for all that. Somebody who is so spiritual and yet so carnal. You can be spiritual and then at the same time very carnal. There are some people who would put on a video and watch uh, Benny Hinn. How many have watched Benny Hinn on video before? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. You watch him before on video or television. How many have never watched him before video or television? Give me another wave. You must try and watch. Eh? Try and watch. Some people will put on some nice preaching from the Word of God and then the next film that they put on after you'll be surprised whether it is the same room the same television and the same person who is watching these two things and that is also a form of duality hallelujah and we must be careful you know and I think that something that we wouldn't want to do in public let's not do it in private this is my policy I believe there's something we wouldn't want to do, we wouldn't want somebody to see us doing, then it shouldn't be done. I mean, it's a, if you have that sort of policy for your life, you are likely not to do certain wrong things. I mean, something you wouldn't want somebody to see you doing it. So, you just don't do it. Not that you do it secretly. Captain. <laughs> Amen. Amen. How many are with me? Give me a wave. Are you annoyed today? You are receiving the word. Yes. Wonderful. 
What is the third example of duality? Mighty in ministry and weak in private life. Mighty in ministry and weak in private life. And that thing, you may not be a pastor like I am. But a pastor starts from somewhere. You start from being a shepherd. You start from being a leader in the church. So if at the leadership stage, you are mighty, because there are some shepherds, when you see them ministering, it's only I have not allowed them to come or I have not invited them to come on stage to come and minister. But they are mighty. They are really mighty. And yet, they are very, very weak in private life and everything that goes on privately. And God is saying that, let us not have that. That is duality. I said it's duality. And it's dangerous because it's dangerous, it will, it will show up in the course of time, in the process of time. And, and you must pray that if you are a pastor or you are becoming a pastor or, or as pastors, we must be careful that we, don't be, we are not mighty when we come on stage or when we come or even singing mightily, you know, singing before the Lord. People are falling under the power. People are ministered to. When you finish singing, everybody claps. People stand up. And then in private life, it's something else altogether. We've got to be very, very careful. It, it, you see, and it starts gradually. But it's a, and it's a very dangerous thing. Amen. Amen, the man. Amen. Amen. And so, I'll tell you something. If some of these things exist in your life, drive them out of your home. Drive them out of your life. Fight it because it must not be there. Amen. Fight it until it dies. Kill it until it is dead. Keep killing it if it is not dying. It will die one day. I said it will die one day. I said it will die one day. I said it will die one day. So keep knocking the thing, it will by all means die. Hallelujah. What is that? How many examples do you have? Number four. Nice and nasty. I am now bringing some more. Amen. Nice and nasty. Nice to others and nasty to others. Some people are nice to the pastor, but they are not nice to their husband. Who said it's true? <laughs> yes. Some people are nice to others outside and nasty to those at home. That is another dangerous form of duality. Nice. I was once watching somebody on the telephone. On a one line, he was talking to the girlfriend. Oh, hello, darling. Yeah, okay, now I'll be back. Then the secretary called that. He got a call on the line. Your wife is on the other line. Then he told the girl, hold on. Huh? What? I'll come. I said, I'm coming. I'll come home. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, yeah. Then he came back to the girlfriend. <laughs> Honey, you were saying that, okay. Two different worlds altogether. <laughs> that is duality. <laughs> As a person sitting next to you, are you practicing duality? 
What did they say? All right. How many do you have? That is all you have. Okay. The next one is childish and yet mature. Mature and then yet childish. All right? If you look at judges, let's say I'm able to judges. Where is Pastor Johnny? He's not here. Judges chapter. Where is Judges? I can't find Judges. <laughs> Where is Judges? After Joshua. Okay, okay, okay. Judges chapter 15, verse 20. Hallelujah. Let us, let us, let us read, let us read from verse 18. Let's all read together. Ready, go. Judges chapter 15 from verse 18. And he was so athirst. Where are you? Verse 20. He judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Would you not agree with me? It takes a bit of maturity to be a judge. Yeah. And this was a man, I mean, I don't know why Samson was, you know, he was like two people in one. It was so mature, mature enough that the people elected him to be a judge. And he was a judge for 20 solid years. It was not something when you think about Samson, you may get the impression that this was just a womanizer, you know, going around chasing one prostitute to another, one woman to another. But he was a judge for 20 good years. That, that is maturity in ministry. Most of us charismatic churches have not been in the ministry for, for, for 20 years or 10 years. In America, most of the great men of God are much older. When I went to Korea and I was sitting at the table with Yongi Cho and some of the other men, I was like a child. But of the, in the charismatic move, I am a part of one of the largest churches in our, in our own country. And it's like in our country, the men of God, we are all very young children. It's wonderful. But I know one man of God who put on uh, some kind of glasses and so on to make him look older. He put on he put on glasses and he took on a picture and he was wearing various things to make him look older. So as he said, there's no lens in the glass at all, just so that he looks a bit uh, more mature. Because we we look so young. But this man Samson was so mature, so mature that he was able to be a judge. And yet he had another side of his personality where he behaved like a child. 
And it can be like that, that in Christianity, on one side, you can look so mature and do such mature things. Even when the pastor is preaching, you understand it. When the man is talking, you understand it. You, you even know a scripture that he should refer to at this time. Maybe as he's preaching, you know maybe, okay, if he brings in this scripture or that scripture now, he can make the point better. You, you, know, you know about all these things. Hallelujah. And, 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 and yet, there's another side of you that behaves like a baby. When you are a Christian baby, you see, there are Christian children. You are a child. You see, in Christianity, you have a baby Christian, you have a child, you have a mature person. Now look at Samson. On the other hand, in Judges chapter 15, he behaved like a child. Look at what he did. It came to pass after, in the time of wheat harvest, verse 1, the same chapter 15, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. He said, I will go into my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And, and her father said, Verily, I thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes. <laughs> Look at the way the man behaved. You, are going to, you want to do something, you want to catch foxes. And took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brand of fire, he let them go into the standing corn and bent up the shocks or whatever. And he bent up the shock and also the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives. Now, you look at the way the man even was trying to get his revenge. Catching foxes. Is it not a child who plays games like that? No, I'm asking you a question. You want to, if you want to burn it, go and light it, but you go and catch three, you know what it takes to catch one fox. How far this man is going to run around before he catches one fox? So you catch and 300 of these little, uh, uh, what do you call it, animals. And then he lights a fire and then let them run away from their own tail. The man is a joker. <laughs> but that was something. And at the same time, he was a very mature person who could judge take judgment and decide, oh, this is right, this is not right, I'll decide, okay, you must do this, okay, this is the decision I've taken on this, this is the decision, all right, you will have to do this, no, you, you are the landlord, because you are the landlord, you have to allow the tenant two more months, I have decided that this, that. he was making decisions all the time, at the same time, behave like a child. If you want to revenge your father-in-law, is it going to catch foxes? And yet there are some Christians that they understand the word so much, and yet they are so child. What are the features of a child? A spiritual child. What are the features of an ordinary child? An ordinary child is very unsteady, unstable. An ordinary child cannot sit down in one place for a long time. I think you will agree with me. That's why they are not here. They, they, they sit here, they move, they go. There are some people that they're so much, they know everything about the word of God. They, they cannot settle down in any church. They cannot settle or be committed in any ministry. They, they, today they are in this church. Tomorrow they are in that church. Tomorrow they belong here. They belong there. And so on. They are not settled. They are unsteady. Unstable. Unstable. 
And yet they are very mature. When you ask them, they will explain to you. Such people have listened sometimes to this uh, program, Joy FM, on Sunday evenings. Sometimes I've listened to some of the people. Some of, I know some, some time ago, one of the people who came and I was just listening to this brother. I said, you, this brother, you don't want to belong to any church. I know him. And yet this brother was talking about pastors because they were discussing, I, I think that program, they specialize in discussing pastors. Have you listened to that program before? What do they call it? And walk with Jesus. They were discussing about pastors and about tithes. And this brother had every, he had everything and all that he was saying was correct. But he doesn't want to belong. He was supposed to be in this church, but he doesn't want to belong. He's not steady. I've never seen him steady since the day that I knew him in the church. Today here, tomorrow he was here, tomorrow there. But he knows everything. And there are people who are good commentators. They, they, they'll talk about, they'll analyze, okay, you see, uh, this bishop over here, you know, his problem is this and that. Some years ago, when this, they'll analyze, they say, oh, this pastor, you know, I understand him because he has a problem with this and that and that. And they analyze, but they themselves, they are like children. They cannot belong anywhere. And that is one of the cardinal features of a child. You, can, you are not steady. It takes maturity to belong to a church. It takes a maturity for a man to say, this is the woman I'm going to marry and I'm not marrying anybody else. It takes maturity for a man amongst all the many beautiful uh, ladies that he will see to select one and say, I will stay with this one, no matter who else I see. It's maturity. That's why people respect uh, married people. It, it takes maturity to settle anywhere. It's a child who cannot settle. It's a child who cannot settle. That is why you see a man who doesn't want to settle, you realize that the person has that, he's still a boy. To, to be stable, and it is only a mature, something that has stayed in one place and has been settled for some time, that grows up. Our pastors, we are not important pastors from anywhere. These pastors, they were people who joined the church and the ordinary members grew up, became ministry, fellowship shepherds, ministry shepherds, and became pastors. Bible says, choose you from amongst them. It didn't say go and choose from outside Bible school, from people that have come from amongst us and have developed and have grown up. Those are the people that we are going to choose. Not somebody who comes with a certificate. Here's my certificate, I have come. As so a what? The person who begins to bear fruit is the person who has stayed and has been stable. And Christians need to learn stuff. There are some people who are always easily... Another feature of a child is a child cries a lot. It's rare to see me crying. I cry sometimes, but it's rare. And I haven't seen any of you crying. Cry. You don't easily cry. Ladies may more easily cry for some emotional reason or other. Because women are more emotional. That's the way they were made. But when they become harder, sometimes they don't cry anymore. But a child, you don't, suddenly, nah, nah, nah. David, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, no crying. That is a sign of a child. Children are in the church, they are often hurt. Ah, this one in the choir, he did this, this person said that, this one did this, they didn't come when it was my dad. I told them, I thought that this, this, that, that's child. Child complete. Complete child. Child always wants attention. But when you become mature, you are rather helping others in the church. 
When you are not mature, you always need attention. They must come to you. They must call you. It's okay. No one. You are a child. That is why you need so much attention. But as you grow, you are rather giving people attention. People are not rather giving you attention. You are rather looking after people. And you see some people, they understand when I'm preaching, they say, oh, if I, pastor has a good point there. If he can just bring in this other point, it will make this other point much clearer. Then that scripture in Ezekiel and that reference in Genesis, I think if he combines that with Revelation, there will be a complete sermon there. And yet such a person, he's hurt. When you come, and you say, he's, he's hurt. Yeah, I'm hurt that they didn't call me to do it. I'm hurt that they didn't do it. But when you are mature, Nothing hurts you. Nothing offends you. You are rather stable. Things can happen. I, you see, if I was to have left this church out of hell, I would have left on my wedding day. When you are having your wedding, it's one, a very emotional time, even for a man. You notice what everybody does and what everybody doesn't. That the, my wedding, that's the day I would have left the church. Because my wedding, I didn't see the church members very well. Pastor Ishmael went to Takradi. <laughs> People who should have been around were not around. I came to church the Sunday morning. The place was so dirty. And I was a pastor. And I have been coming to the church to scrub the floor for people's wedding. Arranging flowers for people. Showing the little children how to march down the aisle. I've done all those things. For people's wedding. When it was my wedding, I couldn't see them. It was wonderful. When I came to the church, I signaled to Agama. Where is Agama? I signaled to, was it you? I signaled to turn on the lights. The lights were out. The place was very dark. Turn on the lights. I was a bridegroom, so I couldn't move around. Turn on the lights. Because my mother and my father were coming to the church for the first time. Ooh. That is the day that the church was not nice at all. It was wonderful. If I was to have left, I would have left at that point. Something in me almost died. Things that happen in the church, but if you are mature, you become stable. So let us, let us put away duality. If you are mature, be mature throughout. Be mature throughout. If you are mature, just be mature. I mean, it's as simple as that. If you are a child, identify yourself. Then we shall crawl, crawl you until you become mature. But don't play the two because we don't understand it. We think you are mature, and at the same time, you, you are behaving like a baby. How many babies do we have here? Give me away, baby, so that I can see you clearly. We know we have to visit you a hundred times. Any baby, give me away. Okay, child, any children? How many mature ones do we have here? The whole church is mature. Wonderful. Give yourselves a big clap, hallelujah, and a soul of victory. The next type of duality is loyal and yet slanderous. Slanderous, if you like. Loyal and slanderous. And I want you to look at a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you can find it, it's somewhere. Sometimes, you know, when you tell people, turn your Bible to whatever, then you... You realize they are looking at the beginning of the Bible for something that is at the end of the Bible. 
Now, it says, likewise must the deacons be grave. Have you found it? I'll wait for you. Have you found it? First Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Likewise must the demons, I say must the demons, must the deacons be grave. Amen. Amen. Is there any deacon in the church? Is there any deacon in the deacon is a church helper, somebody who helps in the church. Alright? Not double-tongued. Not double-tongued, the Bible is saying. Not given too much wine, nor greedy or filthy lucre. Now there are people who claim to be loyal and yet are very slanderous and double-tongued. They have two tongues. One tongue speaks good and the other tongue speaks evil. Double-tongued means what? What does double-tongued mean? No! What does it mean when you, when you say something they are double? No! When you say something is double, well, how, what does it mean? It means what? No! When you say something they are double, it means they are... They are two! Two! <laughs> I mean, it's so simple that sometimes we want to be so spiritual. Double tongue means, what did you say? Sl slanderous. When you say double, it means there are two. How many would agree with me? Double. When you tell, what's your telephone number? Double two, three, nine, four, two. What does it mean? Two of the twos, then three, nine, four, three. Oh, what's your number? Double seven, five, three, four, four. Double seven. <laughs> two sevens. Duality in the tongue. Two tongues. One tongue is full of, oh, pastor, <laughs> you know, I was so touched with the message today. <laughs> pastor, you know, since I became a Christian, I've never, you know, been so blessed since, since I came to this church. Then as they are going home in their car, this pastor is bad. <laughs> Yes. I remember one time I was talking to a brother who was now a member of the church. This was in one of the cities where we started a church. I went there with my friend. We went to visit him to minister to, to him. After we finished ministering, he gave his life to Christ. In fact, he, he, he gave his life to Christ. We prayed with him. I prayed, Father, I accept Christ as my personal Savior. Then he sat at the table and he said, in fact, really? Something has happened. I'll tell my wife. His wife was asleep. I'll tell my wife. So we left knowing that we have ministered to somebody and that the person was really blessed and glad that we came. Later on, this man went through various phases and then was properly in. They are just after money. And there are a lot of people like that in the church. They come and say, how many of them? They lift up their hand. Oh, hallelujah. Now when they turn around, you see, what you say in your car, what you say in your house, what you say in your room about the man of God or about the church, God hears it. Uh, I was watching a, a documentary yesterday about a, a, a film about a Hitler in the Second World War. And there was this man 
who was an officer, a German officer, and he was going somewhere. And he was talking to this lady who was, who was speaking. And uh, he told the lady, I just want to die now. And he said, why? He said, I just want, the things that I have seen, the things that I have done, I just want to die. He said there were two particular things that he remembered. And one of them was, you know, the Jews, they would line them up and say, everybody take off your clothes. They would take all their clothes off and shoot them. And there was, and they would dig their own graves and they would stand by the graves, all of them, and they shoot them in cold blood. They shot millions of them. All of them fell into the grave. And he said there was a man who came up to him and told him, I want you to know that what you are doing, God sees what you are doing. God sees it. They shot, the, the, the man turned around to go back and as he was going, they shot him. You know, and they shot all the others as well. But that thing haunted the man. And it must haunt you also. God sees what you do and what you say. If man does not see, know that God sees. God sees and God saw. And many years later, Germany, all the things that the Germans did to others, all those things were done to them. Their whole, their whole town was destroyed. But I want you to understand, you may think that you are just speaking. The Bible says, curse not the king, no, not in thy thoughts. For the bed of the air shall carry, shall tell the matter. Tell your Bible, let me show you that verse in Ecclesiastes. I think it's chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 20. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. It says, Curse not the king, no, not in thy thoughts. Curse not the rich in thy bed. Let us not curse the rich. In Ghana, we like cursing the rich too much. Anybody who is rich, we say, we, we, we look for his downfall. And when the person, for, I know there are a lot of people who are looking for the downfall of Lighthouse. Do you know that? Even pastors. One pastor was talking, standing somewhere, and then they had heard that we had bought a nice church building in, uh, what do you call it, uh, in Tema and so on. We had bought so many nice buildings. And the person said, oh, Lighthouse, it's all cocaine. You know, and there was a senior pastor there, and he said, don't feel that. I was not even there. They were telling me, you talk like that, you are a pastor. And you are talking about a church. Why do you assume that it's cocaine? And why do you think in such an evil way? And why do you expect bad things to happen to people? Why? 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 Why don't you want people to prosper? It doesn't help. Bible says, do not curse the king and do not curse the rich. If God has blessed us and we are doing what we are doing, we have done no evil. We are building the church of God. We are not building our own personal houses. We are building the church for the church. The day that I die, the church does not belong to me or for my children. The church is for the church. Yeah, can you not see that the thing is being built for the church? One day the devil was threatening me and I told the devil something. I said, no matter what you do to me, the church has been established and the foundation is there. It, you can never move the foundation of the church. It is there. No matter what happens to me, no matter what the devil does to me, the church has been started and it will grow because the foundation of the Lord has been laid. And it will just grow. It's already there. I told that I was laughing. I said, it's there already. <laughs> even church, it is there. It's there. It's there. And it is there even physically. Why? Don't, don't curse the rich. Don't curse the king. 
Don't curse your pastors. Don't curse the leaders. Because the Bible says, a bed of the air shall carry the voice. And he that hath wings shall tell the matter. There are people who have two tongues. Not only here, but even in workplaces. Anybody who does that at his workplace will do it in the church. Will do it. There are people, if you work with them, you realize they talk about the boss. And then when the papa no comes, it's like, oh, say, and they say, oh, no, 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 Adam. Adam, Adam, and then when the person goes, where are you here? This and that and that. How many tongues does the person have? Two. Two. Don't have to have only one. The thing, the animal that has two tongues is a snake. Years ago, I was in a church. I was in a fellowship meeting. The pastor took an offering. Then he took another offering. When he took the other offering, I was... I was bored. So I was sitting by a sister whose name begins with her. Whatever. I was sat by her. And I told her, ah, why? Too many offerings. Why? Then she just looked at me. Hmm. And then suddenly I realized that I was doing something wrong. My heart smote me. After the service, I went to see. And I said to him, Pastor, he was not even a pastor at that time. I said, Brother, so and so, I want to tell you, I want to confess when you were taking the offering, this is what I said about, about you, I mean, about the offering, and I'm sorry. He looked at me, he was so surprised. He just stretched out his hand to me and said, God is going to use you, and God has used me. If you have two tongues, you are following the devil. Don't come and praise me and go to your room and curse me or say whatever or sit down as people speak negative or about any man of God any man of God whatsoever let that be your policy that I have one tongue and I intend to keep it that way it is as simple as that let your yea be yea and your nay be nay anything more than that is evil amen the men amen, amen the ladies so, duality. Having how many tongues? Two tongues. Number three. Uh, how many do we have? Six. Number seven. You worship with your mouth and you rebel with your heart. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, we are going to read from <laughs> verse 11. I want you to know that God is sick of duality. Amen. God is sick of two, two lifestyles in one human being. God is tired of it. God says, I'm tired of, I'm tired of it. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? Have you found it? He says, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goes. When you come to appear me, who has required this at your hand? Verse 13. Bring no more vain oblations. 
your incense is an abomination unto me and the new moons look at God and the calling of the assemblies I cannot away with it it is iniquity even the solemn meeting and when you spread forth your hands I will hide my eyes from you yeah when you make many prayers I will not hear your hands are full of blood wash you and make you clean put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes cease to do evil learn to do well seek judgment relieve the oppressed judge the fatherless plead for the widow come now let us reason together saith the Lord God says I, I, I can't I don't want it anymore what is the use of all these prayers stop it stop stop because we pray and then we turn around and we do evil and there are two lies that says, I, I, look, I, look listen to the tone of this I cannot away with it I can't stand these offerings and your, your money that you put in the offering and you're coming to church and when you lift your hands I, I can't say that away with it because there's blood on your hands when you come to appear before me there's two, two different people he says I can't I don't like it and who wants it? I saw a gentleman during the week. This gentleman has so much negative things to say. One time he was talking about me, and the whole office where he was working was in uproar about what he was saying about me. You know, sometimes I realize people just sit down and use me as a discussion topic. And I saw him. When he saw me, you know, I was working with somebody. He said, Do you know this gentleman? And I said, Oh, I know him. And then the brother, the, this brother is a Christian brother. I was going, was going to go and say, oh, we know each other. And I just walked on. I was about to tell him, but you, you this man, you, are, you said this and this and that and that. And I just decided to leave it so that I will not create a, a situation there. You are so full of hypocrisy. And then when you meet me, you are coming to say, you know me and we are this and that and that. Why? God says, I don't like it. I don't want hypocrisy. We stand up and we lift our hands. How oh, I love you, Lord. Yet you don't pay our first and best. You don't love God. You are a liar. You are a big liar. And you are a hypocrite. How oh, I love you, Lord. I don't, you don't love God. Don't say it. God says, I can't. Stop. God has closed his ears. Stop. Stop what you are saying. Stop it. You don't love me. How many would like empty words? Have you never seen a woman who has come to realize that the man has been lying to her all along? The man has got other girlfriends. The man has got children somewhere else. And he's coming back to her with those sweet words. And he comes to her and he says that, Oh, honey, it's only you. Lala. But you have two children with that girl and that other girl. And he said, the girl said, I don't want to hear it anymore. You're a liar. I don't, I don't lie. It's not true. I, I take it away. You're lying. Don't talk anymore. Because it's not true. Have you ever, how many have seen a, a, a lady who doesn't want that to hear those sweet words anymore? I hope you were not the one giving the, the sweet words to He said, I don't like it in here. Stop, 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 stop the choir. Stop singing. God says, stop singing. I don't, I don't like it when you sing. I don't want the devil to sing. Don't say, don't say those type of words. It's all lies. Stop it. But it's not real. I'm not saying that you are like that, but God is saying that if indeed you are the one, you know. <laughs> Amen, the men. Amen. Amen, the ladies. Amen. How many do we have? Seven. 
Number eight, goodness and badness. Hallelujah. Turn your Bible to Hosea chapter 6, please. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. Have you found Hosea? It is on page 958. Me, when I, I, I find mine, I always help you. <laughs> Ooh, Hosea chapter 6, page 958 and verse 4. It says, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud. And as the early dew, it goeth away. You are good, but your goodness is like a morning cloud. It comes for a short while, and then it's gone. Amen. Yeah. Are you still finding Hosea? Okay, sorry. But you were, you were laughing at me when I couldn't find judges. Have you found it now? Hosea chapter 6, we are reading verse 4. Frank, have you found it? Let's read it together. Ready, go. Oh, Ephraim. Write your name there instead. Write, instead of say your name. Mention your name. Oh, Ephraim. What shall I do unto thee? Ask the person sitting next to you, what's your name? I want to write, use your name for the next part. <laughs> oh, ask the person. Do you know his name? Ask his name. Okay? So your name is the first one, and the, your friend's name is the second one. Okay, ready, go. Oh, what shall I do unto thee? Oh, <laughs> for your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew, it goeth away. You know, people are good, but their goodness is so short-lived. In fact, you will find that some people, they are good, good towards the law, good towards the church, good towards their friends, good towards their wife, good towards their husband, but for a short while. After that, it just flies away. Hallelujah. Amen. God is saying, I don't like it. Olivia, has any man told you that and you realize that it was, wasn't true? You have not experienced it. You can only read about it and believe, isn't it? But if you are here, you're a lady of experience, you know what I'm talking about. The man is coming to tell you, I love you, and he cries. I remember one man came to propose to my wife and he was crying. He was kneeling down and lying tears. Maybe somebody comes to you, come to propose to you, tell lie, high, high thing. And some men have got wrapped and some ladies, their brains are like bad brains. More like that. They believe lies. Lies. They can hide them and they believe it. The man is good, but his goodness is for a short time. And you know what? Our time is up. Stand to your feet. Give the Lord a shout of victory. We'll continue next week. Lifting up your hand to the Lord, please. Take me this morning. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, please. As you lift up your hand to the Lord, you want to ask the Lord, am I doing the right thing? Do I have a double personality? It's a foundation or a background upon which the devil can stand to introduce evil into your life. Just pray for a moment. Everybody, 
pray. Say, Lord, some of you are so impressive when you are in church. In fact, when you, when you see you in church, you are like an angel. Goodness. In fact, your goodness, the Bible says, is real, but it's, it, it disappears like the morning cloud. Oh, we want to say, Lord, we want to be like you. At home, at church, everywhere. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to be what you want us to be, Lord. We want to follow your ways. We want to do what you want us to do, dear Lord. We give you the praise and we give you the honor. I want to be like Jesus. every eye closed. If you are here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, but you want to be born again. You want to take Christ as your Lord. Maybe somebody invited you to church, but deep down in your heart, you know that you are not born again. You see, Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Today, God is speaking to you. He's saying, are you born again? Are you a Christian? Are you, it's your name in the book of life. If you are here this morning and you are not sure whether you are a Christian, whether you are really born again, just stand where you are and lift up your right hand into the air and I want to pray for you specially. Just lift it up high. God bless you. Don't think about anybody. I see your hands. I see all those hands that are lifted up. Just lift up your hands. Stand where you are. Pastor, please pray for me. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to give my heart to the Lord. Lifting up your right hand to the Lord. Lift it up high. God bless you. God bless you. God. There's a lady here. God is saying, today is your day of salvation. Give your heart to the Lord today. Lifting up your hand to the Lord. If you are here, you want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I know in my heart I'm not ready. All of you who have lifted up your hands, I want you to do one more thing. Come to the front. Come here. I want to pray for you in front here. If you lifted up your hand, come, and come to the front. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You want to join them. Come from where you are standing. Don't be shy. Don't think about anything. Come to the front. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not ready. I'm not born again. I want to be born again. You lifted up your hand. Upstairs, if you lifted up your hand, come downstairs. All the way to the front. I'm going to pray for you. God is going to touch your life. God bless you. Why don't you clap for them as they come? All the wonderful souls. Put your hands together for all these wonderful souls as they come to the Lord. Hallelujah. Wanna be a vessel you are true. I, I Praise the Lord. Okay, all of you in front here, say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I receive Christ. I receive Christ now into my heart to be my Savior, to be my Lord, to be my Master. Lord Jesus, Please receive me. Please write my name in the book of life. Right now, I ask you to forgive me and wash me in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for receiving me in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Why don't you give them a big shout of hallelujah? Give them a big shout of victory. Wonderful. All those of you who have come forward to give your life to Christ, look at me, those of you here. God bless you, young lady. God bless you for coming. Young, don't be shy, okay? What you are doing, we did it some time ago. That's why we are here, okay? Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me and of my word, I will also be ashamed of you. So don't be ashamed, okay? What's your name? Shola. God is going to use you, okay? Don't fall away. Stay in church. Stay in the Lord. God is going to use you. Amen. All those of you here, I want you to take this very serious. Take this today, what is happening right now. Take it very serious. God is going to touch your life. He's going to use you. Make this your church. Next week, Sunday, come again. You understand? Come back to church on Sunday. Sir, at the corner there, all right? Come back on Sunday. Keep coming every Sunday. God is going to affect your life. Amen. All right? God bless you. Go this way. They want to talk to you downstairs. Follow this gentleman here. Go with them. Why don't you give them a big, 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 big shout of hallelujah as they go down. Come on. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.